everybody, and welcome to Explain It To Me Like I'm a 10-Year-Old. Today, I'm very lucky to have Mansoor Shams with me, a decorated Marine veteran and Muslim American who is on a mission to educate the world about Islamophobia. Mansoor has undertaken many different initiatives to help pe- educate people on Islam and Islamophobia, such as the 2929 Ramadan Initiative. He speaks at schools and organizations across the country and created the MuslimMarine.org website to help give people resources to understand Islamophobia and combat it. I was so lucky to meet Mansoor a few weeks ago when he spoke at my school. I'm so excited for our interview today. Hi, Mansoor. How are you doing today? I'm well, thank you, Charlie. So excited. Um, (laughs) So, you know, to to kick things off, um, I just really want to ask a basic question for our audience. How did Islamophobia start? I think a lot of people equate Islamophobia probably with uh, 9-11. And although that's true, uh, that unfortunately these 19 so-called Muslims um, decided to uh, do a terrible thing, uh, obviously uh, an act of uh, terrorism. And <clears throat> what, what you, the thing is that they have essentially um, unfortunately, in a very bad way, uh, it's very unjust, I would say, how 19 individuals have sort of shaped a religion um, of 1.8 billion plus people. I mean, it's the worst thing that can happen. I mean, I, it makes no sense to me, actually, as a Muslim. How can 19 people speak for 1.8 billion plus people? We would never accept that anywhere, right? Just like, as an example, they say that... Um, in America, you know, mass shootings, right? They say they're done by young white males, uh, by the vast majority, but how would it be if I looked at every young white male as a mass shooter, right? It wouldn't be very nice of me. Uh, So going back to your question, as far as when did it start? I think obviously 9-11 has a really, really uh, important role in this. However, if you were to sort of go back before 9-11, and the sort of uh, movies out there in Hollywood uh, where, you know, all, the bad guy is often someone who happens to look like me. Uh, you know, they, I, I don't remember the name of different movies, but I know that, you know, if there's a hijacking, right? Uh, this is again, pre-9-11. The bad guy again looks someone like myself. So naturally, I think um, when, when we show these sort of things, over and over and over and over again uh, at the, you know, movie level. And when millions of people are watching it, you know, we all get perceptions then. And I think, so I think that some part of Islamophobia was already there prior to 9-11 and 9-11 just exaggerated to another level. Mm -hmm. So we we started off talking about how Islamophobia started, but, you know, could we take a step back and talk about Islam and, and what it really is? You know, can you, I mean, obviously we could spend the whole episode talking about that, but could you, Tell us about some of the core principles of Islam. Um, Islam um, is peace. Islam is love. Uh, Islam is kindness. Islam is compassion. Um, Islam is a faith, uh, as I mentioned, for 1.8 billion plus people in the world. Uh, You know, some people think they all look like me, but that's not true. Uh, You know, they come in all... You know, male and female, all colors and cultures. Uh, it's not Islam is not even a culture. It's it's a, it's a faith. So um, if you go to Africa, 
uh, you'll see that Islam is practiced there. Um, if you and I, by the way, I've traveled to like 30 countries, so I've seen it in different countries. You know, I've gone to Malaysia, I've seen it over there, uh, I've seen it in Thailand, I've seen it here in the United States, I've seen it in Pakistan, I've seen it in India, right? I've seen it in Europe, um, and uh, so it's a representation of so many people. Now, <clears throat> it, for most people, uh, it's a very personal sort of thing. It's a way of life. So you'll often hear the word uh, words like Sharia law. I don't know if you've ever heard that before, right? Sharia law is coming to America, right? <laughs> so these are all terms that people try to scare people with. But all Sharia law really means is it's a path to life-giving water. I bet you never heard that translation before. I have not. You have not, right? And essentially, it's like my Ten Commandments, right? To keep it very simple, like you said, for help a 10-year-old understand, right? It's like my Ten Commandments. Uh, it tells me to not cheat. It tells me not to lie. It tells me to be truthful. It tells me to be kind to my parents. Uh, it tells me to teach pe uh, treat people with respect. Um, there, there's like over 700 commandments in the Quran on how to carry yourself as a human being. Um, you know, from, like I said, the relationships of mother and father to brother and sister, uh, to families and friends, in fact, like neighbors. Uh, neighbors are considered in Islam um, like all, almost like family, uh, you know. Uh, uh, but, you know, I can go on and on. And like you said, there could be an entire session on this. Uh, but uh, for Islam, in a nutshell, uh, is, uh, you know, a, a faith that is uh, essentially, in one word, means peace. Mm -hmm. So, so I'd love to learn more about your story. So what, what really, what led you at first to join the Marines? Well, uh, it was a, it was a very um, um, difficult period in my life, to be very honest with you. I like to keep it very honest. And I decided to join because I, you know, my parents, they were divorced when I was very young. And, uh, you know, I grew up in a single mom household. Um, I, I was you know, trying to figure out where I want to go in my life. I want to sort of become my own man. And so I decided that joining the U.S. Armed Forces would give me that opportunity where I could be sort of on my own and figure things out and independent, right? Initially, I actually took the test for uh, the Navy. All the, the, the test is called ASVAB. And that ASVAB test, actually, uh, you can use it for any of the branches, okay? Um, but at the last minute, sort of, right? Uh, and this probably sounds a little bit corny, uh, but the Marine Corps uniform was so cool, right? And then on top of it, you know, it was the few, the proud, that's our motto, right? One of our mottos. And like, you know, the elite, the best. So I felt like I was going to have that sense of accomplishment. Um, and so I decided to join the Marine Corps. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about your experience in the Marines prior to 9-11. Yeah, prior to 9-11, you know, there, there's a famous saying in the Marine Corps, we all bleed green, uh, essentially that we're all the same. Right. Uh, the Marine Corps or the United States military is very, very um, a, uh, uh, a diverse force, you know, and um, it is made up of different cultures and made up of different faiths, uh, no faith. Right. Um, and uh, for me, uh, you know, joining joining the, uh, you know, the Marine Corps was a, a you know, it's a great experience personally, you know, uh, but, and I did feel, I would say overall that prior to 
uh, uh, 9-11. I, I think I was just like any, any other Marine. That did change a little bit after, after 9-11. Yeah. Um, well, what, what changed after 9-11? Well, I think those same stigmas that people had uh, prior to, right, um, they began to be a little bit more apparent, right? Uh, those stereotypes that people have for someone who looks like myself. Everyone did know, all the Marines knew that I was Muslim. I was a practicing Muslim. I was very open about my faith. Um, on top of it, which is really sad, uh, you know, Afghanistan, uh, where you know, the, 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 the 9-11 attacks were launched from essentially, um, borders the same country that I was born in, right, Pakistan. So that didn't help <laughs> very much. You know, I could have been born anywhere in the world, right? But I happened to be born in the country uh, that, but that, border, that literally bordered this, this, other, this country, right, Afghanistan. So, um, you know, people, you know, started jokingly calling names like, uh, you know, terrorists and Taliban and Osama bin, Osama bin Laden. And so in the beginning, you know, I'd laugh it off, you know, and uh, kind of go with the flow. But then over time, it started getting to me, you know. That's why name calling is really, really bad. You know, I know you guys learned this in school. You don't do it because <laughs> it does. Yeah. It is affecting someone uh, in a way that you may not even imagine. You might think it's funny or you think it's cool. But uh, you may really, really hurting, you'd be hurting someone, you know, um, and that's not a good thing. Yeah. So why did you decide to leave the Marine? Yeah. So when you join the Marine Corps um, or any uh, part of the armed forces, uh, you come in under a contract. So uh, typically that contract is around uh, two years or four years or in some cases five years. Right. So the Marine Corps, uh, when you sign up for the Marine Corps, it's a minimum of four years. So, uh, and after those four years are up, it's up to you. If you want to stay in, you can stay in. Um, if you want to go out, you can go out. Um, but you have to sort of fulfill that contract. Now, you know, in hindsight, I think in a part of it may have been some of the, some of the negative experiences that, that I had in the Marine Corps, that perhaps I didn't stay there and make it a lifetime career. Um, or it could have been a combination of things. I mean, uh, the Marine Corps is a really... It's a really tough lifestyle. Um, it's not easy being a Marine, I'll tell you that much. Uh, so it could, have, it could have been a little bit of that as well, just keeping it honest. And I'm not trying to say that uh, the military is, or the Marine Corps is made up of just races and bigots and stuff like that. But uh, in fairness, uh, as you know, uh, racism and bigotry does exist, right? So it exists everywhere. And the Marine Corps is also no exception to that. So after you left the Marines, will you tell us a, a bit about your decision to, to start fighting Islamophobia and educating people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that sort of, it just kind of uh, happened. It wasn't the plan. You know, I was not in really, you know, seeking the limelight or ever even imagine being called Muslim Marine. That's not something that I had ever thought about. Uh, but in 2015, um, when President Trump started saying a lot of things uh, specifically regarding the Islamic faith and Muslims around the world. Um, it, because, you know, you, you know, obviously he has a big microphone. He's the president of the United States. So what he says goes to millions and millions of people all around the world. And a friend of mine, uh, you know, I was at the mosque actually one day and he said, hey, Mansoor, like, uh, when are you going to come out of your, 
you know, something, he says something funny. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, look, and he's a doctor. He said, I'm a Muslim doctor. You're a Muslim Marine. They'll listen to you, you know? And so it was like that conversation about two weeks later, I bought the domain muslimmarine.org. And I just started putting myself out there. just started sort of getting on Twitter, uh, uh, you know, speaking to people, <laughs> speaking to media and, you know, one thing led to another, right? Hey, could you come and speak here? Could you come and speak here? Could you come and speak here? And I was like, wow, look, what a cool thing I get to do here. I get to shape uh, people, you know, people's minds and perspectives uh, and, and, and do something really amazing, right? Is bring the girl, you know, bring the world together, bring the country together, bring people together, bridge gaps, answer questions, you know, uh, and share a counter narrative that a lot of people don't know. Like some people didn't even know uh, something as simple as that Muslims can be Marines, I guess, and that's, that's weird as that sounds. But then, you know, but Muslims have been serving in, in the U.S. Armed Forces since the days of George Washington. A lot of people didn't know that. Yeah. So I know one of your uh, initiatives and, and things you did was you held up, I'm a, I'm a Marine and a Muslim, and ask any question sign uh, mm. across 25 states, right? I imagine mm. that led to some really interesting conversations. Yeah, it, it's, it's, it, looks good, it looks cool on TV, okay? I know that you, you, maybe if you saw some clips, I don't know if you did or not, but it looks really, really cool. But I'll tell you, I'm a human being, and every time I put my sign out, you know, just imagine, right, putting yourself out there. Let's say if you had a sign, right, Charlie, you went out there like, I'm a 10-year-old, come ask me anything, right? You, maybe you'd, your heart rate would go up a little bit, be a little bit nervous, right? So I was, I was exactly that. I would, every time I would pull out that sign and stand on the street corner, I'd get real nervous about, man, and everybody's going to be looking at me, you know? Um, and it, it was, but once the conversation started going, right, then I would just forget about all that stuff because then I was so into the, you know, the people. Um, so yeah, it, it did spark some very, very interesting conversations. And I think for the large part, uh, for in large part, I was able to, again, demystify things and bust a lot of myths out there. Uh, and again, uh, the goal was bridge gaps and bring people together and show people that uh, them or me were, were no different. Yeah. So another one uh, initiative you did was the 2929 Ramadan initiative. You know, yeah. uh, how did that work? You're well researched, man. <laughs> um, yeah, that was really cool too. Uh, that's something uh, I teamed up with a veterans organization. And uh, it, it, I, it was an idea that just came to me while I was sitting at, a, uh, at, at this conference. And the idea was to see if I could get my U.S. military veteran buddies. So veterans are essentially people who've uh, served in the armed forces for people who don't know what that is. That could be four years, that could be 10 years, that could be 20 years. So anyone who served in the armed forces uh, and honorably um, automatically gets the veteran tag, right? So I, I, I teamed up with a veterans organization and I asked them, hey, how cool would it be if we could have U.S. military veterans go and spend a night at the home of a Muslim family across America? And all of a sudden, a lot, you know, the Muslim families are all in and the veterans are all in. And lo and behold, uh, we had, you know, people all across the country, veterans and, um, you know, Muslim families being the host, literally spending a night, like a stranger spending a night at their home, you know. Uh, it was, so it was really, really awesome. Um, uh, and the, again, the idea was when other people would see something like this, then they would be like, oh, okay, let me. I can go try to go see somebody different than me as well, you know? So it's not just about, you don't have to go spend a night at someone's home. I know you can't do that right now, <laughs> but you can still get to go, know, get to go uh, see somebody different, right? So if you, see, if you know someone different from a different culture, 
different skin color, different bat, whatever it is, right? It's to tell you, give you the message, hey, go try and get to know them. So out of all this work you've done, what are some of the things you're most proud of today? Um, I think that if I've, if I've truly been able to change uh, a mind or somewhat, somewhat of a heart, okay? Like, let's say your, your perception or the, your listeners that are gonna be listening to this or someone else um, in, in this process as you know, I've been going around the country and appeared on media and all these, if I've been able to change their perspective in a positive way to show some normalcy, um, um, I think that, that that would be something that I would be very proud of. I assume I have done that. I do receive um, messages from time to time on how, uh, I don't know, they heard something that I said or I was on a radio, whatever it was, and it's how much it impacted them. And I'm just grateful for that because I think that's what it comes down to, right? Um, that it, the more conversations that we have, the more dialogue that we have, the more we step out of our comfort zones to get to know each other, right? Um, I think it really, really, really makes a difference. You know, everybody has a circle that they're around and you're, you have a circle that you're around and you'll share this stuff. You'll, maybe you'll talk to your parents afterwards. Um, and that's that's uh, uh, allows another uh, person to know, oh, well, I didn't know that. And I didn't know this, right? Oh, we're not that different after all. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. Now, what, what changes have you seen in the last 10 years and in the time you've been doing this work? Has there, has there been any improvements, you know, and in what way has it gotten worse even? Yeah, I, I don't think that, to be, again, very honest with you, I don't think it's improved. I think it's gotten worse. Um, and I think what's made it worse is you know politicians, for example, um, using it using it as a way to I don't know, do whatever they have to do to get across a point, or um, you know to scare the American public and in, in, in convincing them to do you know side with them for, on something. Um, I also think that you know then you have the role of social media, right? The way information travels. So you have the Twitters, you have the Instagrams, right? Um, you have the Facebooks. You have all these different platforms, TikTok, right, um, that have uh, exaggerated in the sense like where someone puts out something inappropriate and then it just goes sort of viral, right? And then anyone who's looking at that may assume or may think that this is what this is the fact or this is the reality when in fact it, it's not. So um, I think that over time uh, it has gotten worse uh, and I think it's because you know, the communication channels have really, really changed and the instantaneous, instantaneous of uh, information being able to travel. So for example, I remember President Trump said um, during an interview, Islam hates us, right? That specific line, right? It's very sad, yeah, but he said it, I'm quoting him. Um, and now that clip goes like all over the country, all over the world. And, and depending on what your understanding of life is and your knowledge and your education, uh, and you hear that, uh, it naturally probably has an effect on you, you know? So I think it hasn't gotten better. I think it's gotten worse. <clears throat> how can we, you know, as a society, how can we, you know, stop Islamophobia and, and stop giving people that spread these negative messages, that, that microphone? Well, uh, one way is what you're doing right now, right? Um, that's uh, a wonderful way of, of stopping Islamophobia because now you and I have had a conversation, right? I don't know if you've ever met a Muslim before, uh, myself or not, I can probably have you. 
I have, I have. I have. Okay, cool. Okay, well, I bet you haven't ever met a Muslim Marine before myself. No. First one. <laughs> first one, right? First of many. Well, first of many, hopefully. <laughs> uh, so that's how it changes, right? Because now, uh, I mean, I, I remember uh, this guy. Right, where was it? It, it was it, uh, when I told him that I was in, I was in the Marines. He's like, he had this uh, he had this Southern accent. He's like, Muslim Marine? What? I never heard of that, right? And he couldn't. It was like I was shocked, right? Because he had never and he had never even thought of that, right? But the moment he he um, he took that in, his entire like uh, sort of perspective about me changed. I could sense different before that. But after the whole Marine thing, it just like, man, he was like all impressed or something, you know, it shouldn't be that way, by the way. Right. It shouldn't take that. Oh, I, I have to be a Marine. And so now I can earn your respect. Every human being deserves respect. Right. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, wh- where they come from or what they do or what they're professional. It, 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 none of that matters. Right. Every human has a self-dignity of self-respect. Right. You didn't get to choose. Did you get to choose where you were born? No. Nope, right? I didn't get to choose where I was born. And that's, and that's exactly the crux of it, right? None of us chose to come to this world. None of us chose which family we were going to be born in, which skin color we were going to have. Could have been, I, could have born, I could have been born in your house. You could have been born in this. You, know, you could have been opposite. Right? We don't know that, right? So and, and that just goes to show you how, uh, and it goes to what the Holy Quran says. The Holy Quran says that we have created you in tribes and sub-tribes, talking about uh, different essentially so that you may go and know each other right the holy Quran actually specifically says so imagine how boring it would be if like if there were everybody was all white or everybody was all black or everybody was like all me what a boring world it would be right so it's our unique personalities our different backgrounds our cultures our languages skin color whatever it is right that makes us uh all unique in our own uh in our own respect and also important for us to go uh, get to know one another. Mm-hmm. Thank you so, so much for being here today. I really enjoyed this interview. Thank you. Thank you. I, I hope you'll share it with me and let me know how it goes. <laughs>